Um, hi everyone, and welcome back to Screaming on the Inside, a UCAT alumni podcast discussing all things recovery. It's been a while since we last podded, but glad we're back now and ready to get back to you all. My name's Lee, I'm your host for today. I'm also the admissions supervisor for UK Addiction Treatment Centres and I am in recovery myself. I'm very lucky today to be joined by our very special guest who's not only a member of the UCAT alumni community, but also the creator of the amazing Endless Possibilities log, uh, Mr. Matt Ingram. Thank you for joining me today, Matt. I loved your most recent article where you mentioned you're six foot six. The transformation is amazing in the pictures you processed. Um, how does it feel? And could you please tell me a little bit more about it and your blog and how it came to be about, please? Yeah, thanks, Lee. Um, yeah, it feels absolutely amazing to be a part of recovery. Um, recovery is my life. It's a way of life, as you know, being in recovery yourself. Um, my blog came about uh, mainly because of the whole COVID situation. Um, it was, you know, it was something to do for me. It's something I feel passionate about. I wanted to kind of spread the message in my own way um, because I don't do any kind of program as such. I kind of work my own program, um, which I kind of make up as I go along. Um, and it's, it's just really helped me kind of staying connected with people all across the country and beyond, actually. There's people from other countries that follow the blog, um but it's just it's absolutely it's so amazing to see a community of people i think i've got twenty seven thousand followers now wow it's just kind of yeah it's just kind of sprung up and they all stick together and you see in the comments like uh people are having banter and supporting each other and everything i mean and it's all because of this blog and it's just i'm i'm really blessed to be a part of that and actually be the kind of creator of that it's it's quite um overwhelming really in many ways Oh, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, I've had um, the pleasure of actually following you online for a little while and seeing how many people you're you're reaching out and helping. I think your uh, prime example of recovery really isn't a one-size-fits-all. Um, there are many different ways to recover, and I think you're mm. right as well about having fun in recovery. Um, myself, I could take myself you know, way too seriously um, back in the day, yeah. and it is, it is about getting out there and having fun and, and enjoying the, your new life. Um, and I know that you've, you've um, touched the hearts and helped so many people as well. It's absolutely fantastic to see the change in you, um, seeing you. you from coming into treatment and going through the alumni process and, and having all of this now. Um, so we're going to just go through a few questions that I'm sure you know everyone will be interested in, and I certainly am as well. You know, to um, to go through what it's like in recovery and uh, look at the positives and also the challenges we face. So, um, you know, I think that this last year has been really tough for everyone, yeah. particularly for those of us, um, you know, who we don't really have coping mechanisms uh, when we come into recovery. Um, could you just tell us if you're able to, over the last year or so, um, three negatives that you've gone through during this challenging time, but also three positives that you can take from the last year? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the negatives, obviously, apart from the obvious, the, the whole virus pandemic and lockdown situation, I mean, it's, it's been tough on everyone. But I think the, the biggest problem I've had in the last year or so, I mean, even before the pandemic, was loneliness. I mean, it's still something that affects me now. Mm. Um, I think not a lot of people realise that when you get into recovery, it can be a very lonely place. I mean, when I was in active addiction, um, my kind of my whole using was uh, centered around the pub being the center of attention in the pub you know getting up on tables singing dancing uh, on the karaoke and whatever you know it, that that's what i craved it wasn't so much the substance well i mean it was the substance as well um but i needed the alcohol to get up there and i needed the coke to kind of sober me up um before i progressed on crack obviously um and i mean i just i was surrounded by people yeah. So I mean, when I when I got into recovery, it was a bit of a shock to the system to like have this much quieter life, um, which I'm I'm coming to terms with now. I mean, it's 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 a learning process, as I'm sure you'll know. But it's yeah, the loneliness has been really really tricky. Um, I think that's probably the biggest kind of challenge I've faced. Uh, also, I'd say probably one of the worst things about the last year or so has been social media being used the wrong way. Um, I'm quite 
I'm quite active, as you know, on social media, yeah. trying to see a lot of things happening. And I'm not perfect in any sense, but I think people at their worst, it all seems to be on social media. You know, um, yeah. I think in this people are so quick to judge and people are so quick to put down, you know, there's not enough positivity anywhere, anywhere really. I mean, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, and I think we need more, more of that. We need more positivity. Um, because people's mental health, you know, whether they're in addiction or not, uh, or in recovery or not, is, is, is so detrimental to their mental health, just seeing all these put-downs and all this negative stuff. I mean, how often do you see positive stuff on Facebook? I mean, it's just like 99 times out of 100, it's all negative. See oh, people I moaning. Agree. And, yeah. it's, and, and I just think social media being used the wrong way, because I'm actually, I'm quite an advocate of social media. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, I'll, I'll come on to that shortly, but I mean, it's all about connection and things like that. And if you use it right, it can actually be a really good tool to anyone, yeah. um, whatever situation you're in. But um, yeah, I'd say loneliness and social media were the, were the negatives for me in the last year or so. Okay. And the positives that you can take out of this last year? Well, apart from my blog being the obvious one, <laughs> that's been yeah. absolutely amazing for me uh, personally. And I like to think for a lot of people too. Um, but apart from that, I mean, again, remaining clean and sober um, throughout the whole pandemic and stuff, um, that's been like the obvious positive one. Because, I mean, they always say without your recovery, you know, look after your recovery and the rest falls into place, the old yeah. saying, you know. And um, I think that's that's so true because I've sort of worked at it every day. Some days have been harder than others. Um, and I just think... If you can just kind of stick to the day, remain clean and sober, you'll be absolutely fine. I mean, the rest, it really will fall into place because if you just look after you, plenty of self-care, um, which is what I'm all about. I love the self-care because I was on such a self-destructive path for so many years. It's actually, it's still quite a novelty to actually look after myself now. Um, yeah. You know, so that was, that's obviously the, the biggest positive uh, giving up smoking, I gave up smoking not New Year's Eve, just gone the last New Year's Eve. Um, that was just absolutely amazing. I mean, I can see now why so many people like bang on about, like ex-smokers were always banging on about how wonderful it is to give up smoking. I never believed them. I never believed them because I thought I enjoyed a cigarette so much, um, but I didn't really. Um, I especially didn't enjoy a cigarette without a drink in my hand because um, those two go hand in hand, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and after a line of coke for me, I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but that was always the one. And I mean, it, it, like just smoking, it was. I was doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, it was okay in early recovery. I think I smoked for the first six months of recovery, um, and I, I actually smoked a lot more because obviously I was craving other things. But as soon as I gave up, that was a very kind of liberating feeling. And it just, like I say, a whole new lease of life in my recovery because I've saved money, my health's got better. You know, it's it's a win-win situation when you give up smoking. And I'd recommend it to anyone to do it when they're ready. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it if you're not ready because I'm guilty of smoking anything between 40 and 60, 60 a day, like in rehab, because it was just the only thing to do for me. It was the only I, bit of pleasure I could get from the I only substance exactly I could get mean. my hands on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it, when you look at the the social media and the way it is at the moment, that a lot of us, especially us guys in recovery, and I think particularly more this year, have, have really leaned on social media. I know I have as, um, as a support network for myself, and the amount of negativity you see on there, um, the, you know, it can be detrimental to my mental health, looking at that stuff, and um, yeah. almost getting sucked into it, but... I think this is why we need people like yourself. Um, I really think it is why we need that um, positive message out there because I think a lot of people, especially in early recovery and a lot of people that are going to be listening to this as well, um, are going to be struggling with um, you know negative thoughts, especially with what's going on um, on in the world now with now in another national lockdown. But mm. actually, like you said, you know the positive things that you've mentioned that, um, that have happened in the last 12 months for you, there's always good to be taken out of it. There always is, but it's tapping into that and realizing that it's always there. 
Um, yeah. It really is. You know, I think even myself, you know, I'm, I've been clean a while now, but it's it's been a difficult year. It's been my most difficult year in recovery, but there's still lots of positives there. The relationships I have with my family and everything are all still there. Um, you know, there are always good things that we can sort of take out of any bad situation. I yeah. mean, how do you feel that the situation with COVID has affected the way that um, somebody in recovery like yourself and like myself um, can access support and, and stay in touch, in touch with support groups? I mean, how has that been? How has that affected the, your situation in the last, say, 12 months since we've been in lockdown? Um, I think you can look at it uh, with two, sort of like in two ways. I mean, I've I've adapted to the situation really, really well. I, you know, I'm not saying I had to get a pat on the back, but I just I think I've I've kind of used it to my advantage where I'm staying connected with uh, people in and out of recovery all across the country, old friends, new friends, whatever. I'm using Zoom and WhatsApp, things I'd never really heard of before this lockdown situation. Yeah. Um, so I mean, in that sense, it's brilliant. Um, I've also used all the t- spare time in my hands. I've done like my family tree. I've spent a bit of time doing the family tree online, stuff like that. I mean, I always kind of advise people because people come to me for advice now, believe it or not. It's great. I love it. <laughs> no, I can um, believe they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love it. You know, I couldn't support myself 18 months ago and now I'm supporting people. It's great. But um, it's like I, I, I always suggest to them, if you've got all this time on your hands, go for a walk, learn a language, um, do a college course, do something. You know, it's if you use everything like you just said to your advantage turn a negative into a positive um and i think if you kind of have that mindset you can get through anything and as addicts or ex-addicts or however you identify i think adapting to situations is something we should be experts at you know so um i don't think there's any kind of excuse as such and i'm sorry to sound harsh to just like oh well i'm going to relapse i'm going to do this i'm going to do that because you can use this time to your advantage you know time is something that's so precious um, and I think if you can actually just do something positive with it, then do it. Um, on the other side of the coin, though, I will say um, I've, I've kind of fallen into the trap as well. You know, again, back to the loneliness. Oh, well, I can't go out. I can't do this. Can't do that. It is quite hard to get almost sucked in, I suppose, to that um, that negative mindset. You know, sitting around all day watching Netflix, feeling sorry for yourself. Um, you know, we've all done that. I mean... I mean, I'm the first to admit I'm quite a lazy person. Um, so, I mean, I can quite easily just, you know, stay in bed a bit too long and not get motivated. But, you know, that's that's me personally. But if a lazy person like me can actually get out of bed, get dressed, do something good, you know, do your family tree, do something, it, it's, it just goes to show anyone can do it. And I, I really do believe that. So, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Um, I... I think the the majority of us can be quite motivated, and I think for someone like yourself, um, speaking to you, and also you know seeing your change again, I, I know I've mentioned that a few times, but it absolutely <laughs> astounds me. In what is, I know you've been clean quite a long time now, but in what in relatively is you know quite a short amount of time in somebody's life, the revolutionary <laughs> change that's happened with you has been amazing. That you see that change and you see it in yourself other people see it in you as well and you want to chase it because you you feel good and it's it, that is the motivation for for certainly for most of us for staying clean is how much our life changes so quickly and it has been you know our world has gone i mean i know you you've said that you're using other methods to stay clean for you i i subscribe to 12 step recovery myself and my my situation before the covid lockdown was i was able to go out I spent a lot of time in the office, of course, because we work shifts, and then I'd be going to meetings afterwards and meeting my friends and and the fellowship for for coffee and things, and all that's been taken away from me in in that respect. But um, Mm. we're still able to stay in touch with the right motivation, such as, you know, online blogs. There's always support. There's um, there's Facebook groups, such as, you know, you have a fantastic Facebook group, I know, that has a lot of followers now where there's always people there to help. We also have online meetings as well, which we've been able to, to keep in contact with, you know, keep in contact with each other. And the motivation that you have for doing different things, self-improvement, I love that as well, because <laughs> we come into recovery, we know some of us have no life skills, we have, you know, some of us in no case, in some cases, we don't have any lives outside of our addiction. So building that up for yourself to give yourself a purpose, it's um, another thing that recovery is all about. It's not just about 
um, as you're aware, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be aware, that the stopping of the using, the actual physical part of the addiction, is literally just the tip of the iceberg. It's all oh, of yeah. that other stuff, other stuff underneath that we address and we learn how to live with. And you know, recovery is a blessing. Life is a blessing. This isn't um, a dress rehearsal. This is a one-time deal. And to make the most of it is, um, is you know, an absolute must. Certainly for me, and it sounds like for you as well, Matt. Um, now, I know that um, you know your recovery blog has helped. Um, you connect with people, for, like you said, from all over the world. I think we're so blessed to have that form of social media. Sure. Um, and your story, you know, has helped those people trying to understand addiction because it's a big thing in the beginning. Is actually is an understanding addiction and really understanding what it means. Um, okay, so um, Matt, how has um, your recovery block um, helped you con to connect with people and share your story? And in turn, how has that helped you in your recovery? It's helped. It's helped me massively. I mean, like I said earlier, it's, it's something that I feel really passionate about. It's kind of it's given me um, a kind of sense of direction. I suppose you know, I've I've got so much. I, I know that I've got this kind of fire in my belly to change people's perceptions, raise awareness. Um, and I really want to do that. And I thought the best way to do that would be through social media. Um, I remember when I first started the blog, I mean, I, I didn't have, well, I didn't have high hopes about it. It was just, I thought I'd get a few followers, kind of few friends, few family, maybe a few strangers as well, and just kind of share my side of the story. I didn't realize the, the impact it would have on everyday people. I mean, from addicts, ex-addicts, um, the loved ones of addicts, um, people that just wanted to further their understanding of addiction. I mean, I've had loads of them like message me asking to do talks at various um, clubs, um, functions and things like that. Um, and it's, it's just, it's taken a whole new level to my recovery because I'm helping other people. Because as you know, in 12 steps, I mean, spreading the message is obviously like a fundamental part of it. Yeah, um, it like I said, I'm, I'm not into the steps. I'm not into any program really. I dabble with smart, but this is kind of my program. I'm just, I'm spreading my message and that helps other people, which helps me in a kind of selfish way, I suppose, you know, because I'm looking out for myself first and foremost, you know, I, I won't, won't lie about that. That's what I, that's what I do. That's what I have to do. You have to be selfish in, in recovery at times. Um, and it, it really does help me like helping people helps me. Um, that's the best way I can put it, I suppose. But, and being connected to all those people, I mean, I'm, I'm quite privileged that I can actually just, Click on a switch on the laptop or on the smartphone, and just have access to all these people. Um, which so I'm I'm in a really good position, but I feel really strongly about creating that community, um, which, like I said, has gone far beyond my wildest dreams. Um, and just opening up the comments and seeing people just interact with themselves, I just think that's amazing. It's a it's a beautiful thing to see, um, and I'm really really proud of that. And I'm going to keep it going for as long as possible. Um, obviously, I'd like to get into the kind of the recovery industry, addiction industry kind of um, work in the future. Uh, that's what I want to do. That's like my life. But this is just a hobby, I suppose, in a way. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's helped me massively. And I like to think it's helped a lot of people. Well, they've told me it's helped them. So I'm, I'm really happy with that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've looked at your comments. I, I know you're helping people. Um, it's funny, isn't it? We have a hobby of helping save people's lives, and, it, and it's true. Um, yeah. It is quite, it's quite funny what you say about recovery being selfish, and it, it, it really is like that in a lot of ways. You, even myself, I help other people to help myself. It's not something I do because you know I'm a really, really nice guy, and I like giving <laughs> almost better time for people. I do it because I have to do it because it's effectively saving my life. But it is a passion, and and. To see, so you see people connect your to your page um, who don't have a clue about addiction, about recovery, and what's wrong with them, and just tapping into that resource and getting the um, the support from other people and the knowledge and other people's experience mm. of it. Um, it is. I mean, remember when I first found out about addiction? It's mind blowing. The because did you think that you were before you came into Oasis Runcorn, did you think you were quite alone in the way you thought and felt? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I was the only one in the world. I thought nothing could help me. Um, I was just, yeah, I, I thought I was a lost cause. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and so many people do. So, you know, you're flicking around, you find a blog, you know, you, you see hundreds of thousands, in your case, of people that are, are all there supporting each other, and it breaks that isolation straight away because it is one of the most crippling things about addiction. It certainly was in my experience. I don't know about yours, but the 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 isolation of it all, the, the feeling that I was the only one who thought the way I did and also the only one that felt the way I did about myself. And then you find out that it's um, it's quite common, them thoughts and um, yeah. them feelings, because lots of people experience them. I think it's one of the blessings and certainly is of social media where, um, you know, years ago we didn't have this facility to turn to. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that we're blessed to have that. And, I mean, that's why I'm kind of so, so anti social media abusers you know because they just they, they ruin it for everyone else um it's like trolls i mean because as you can imagine i've had a few trolls on the page or well when i kind of advertised the page like i've had trolls just say, oh well yeah you should have got you should have just not taken the drugs in the first place and stuff like yeah, this and i think oh for god's sake and it and it, the thing is i can have 99 comments that are lovely that are saying you're doing great you're an inspiration. Thank you for helping people. I've learned something new, blah, blah, blah. Brilliant. And then the one comment that says, well, you're a druggie, you should go and kill yourself. They're the ones that you remember, you know? And it's I, that's, I know. It, it's the nasty side of social media. But I'm, I'm fairly thick-skinned. Um, I, I say fairly because, I mean, other things can really hurt, you know. But things like that, I mean, luckily go over my head. But what if someone else that wasn't as thick-skinned as me was doing this blog and what if it affected them a bit too much and they went out and did something stupid i mean it's it's, it's scary to think really you know people have that power without realizing it on social media i like to think i'm using my power if you like i mean i don't like to use that word but i'm using it for good whereas other people they're just they completely abuse it and i mean well, they should just be banned off social media, but that's a whole other debate, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it is. It's, um, yeah, you, you're right. I think people who like that are very ignorant to addiction, uh, first and foremost. Um, mm. I, I've got, to, I <laughs> believe I have got roped into that stuff where I've started replying to them trolls, um, trying to put <laughs> across the side of the addict, and um, <laughs> I, I've just given up now because you're never going to win. But I, I yeah. do understand your point of view. In you know, it isn't great, and like you say, you are thick-skinned. The majority of people are but you know you're, you're quite new to recovery you see that type of stuff and you're right it can be harmful to them people mm. it really can um so matt since going to oasis run corner becoming a member of the uk alumni community do you find that you still stick to the structure from when you was in treatment or has it evolved over time yeah i mean i i've kind of i've definitely stuck to the structure that oasis run corner taught me i remember the councillors giving giving us all like these timetables to stick to I mean, I'm a bit more of a free spirit, but that actual structure that I was kind of taught in the four weeks I was there, um, that's been really kind of essential to my recovery. Um, I can't thank Oasis Runcorn enough, to be honest, because I, when, I when I came out of um, treatment, it was all very, you know, kind of the day I came home, it was just like, well, what do I do now? And I thought, well, I've got to stick to something. And having that kind of those 28 days of, almost like regimented structure, it really, really paid off for me. Um, I've heard, well, I've seen a lot of people actually comment on the UK alumni uh, Facebook group about the structure and saying how good it is. And I couldn't agree more because um, I kind of get up every day. It's, I, I kind of, pen, I, it's what everything's penciled in. That's how I like to kind of describe it, you know, because I can change it at any time I want, but yeah. I get up, um, Actually, I, I always respond to people on the blog first. That's kind of the first thing I do. Um, I get up, do that, maybe even write an article. Then I go downstairs, have like three bits of fruit, a fruit smoothie, vitamins. You know, this is literally the complete opposite to 18 months ago when I was waking up <laughs> to a glass of whiskey and a crack pipe. You know, it was I, I couldn't be further from it, and I love it. Um, but yeah, this that that structure I need. Get up, do that. Everything about self-care. I mean. I spend ages brushing my teeth, mouthwash, shaving, shower, everything like that. I take a lot of pride in myself. I think that's that's really key. By the way, this is on a day off, <laughs> not when I'm working. <laughs> but um, yeah, I always get, get a, make sure I get dressed, look presentable, because you, you've got to do that. I mean, it's it's like when I was in when I was in Oasis Runcorn, I was getting up. I was always the first to get up, the first to be down there having a cigarette. Then I go and have some breakfast, and I do this. And that structure, it was just. It was just oh, absolutely amazing because I'd, I'd kind of 
I needed it because active addiction, I had structure. You know, I knew what I was doing every yeah. single day. No, no, it might not have been like uh, the same thing every single day, but I, I knew that I had to go out, find drugs, find money to get drugs, use the drugs and get more drugs. You know, that was that was the normal kind of day as Matt as an addict, you know. Um, so then rehab, I needed that structure to continue, just obviously in a different way. Obviously, less drugs, more fruit and veg. And it's just, <laughs> which is obviously brilliant. And again, like the eating well, I'm, I'm, on the days off and at work, I'm always eating good, nutritious meals. You know, I got that from Robbie, the chef at Oasis Runcorn, you know, the importance of eating good food. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, God, did I eat food in there as well. I put on a stone and a half while I was in there in 28 days. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was just such a novelty to me. And I mean, even now, I, the, the, the smallest things, I, you know, I, I really don't take them for granted. You know, getting a takeaway on a Friday night, I'm, I'm absolute, oh, I love a takeaway. And I just, I still, I still get excited when the doorbell goes and he hands over the bag because, I mean, it's, there's like all this nice food in there. I never had a takeaway in all the years of active addiction because why would I want to spend my money on a takeaway when I could be spending it down the pub? You know, yeah. that, that, was my, that was my mentality. So, you know, people don't understand why I get so excited about a takeaway. Like, you know, so they say, Matt, it's just a curry. And I say, yeah, but it's a, it's a big curry. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, food is always important to me, and I always have it around the same time every day. Um, and then it's kind of in the afternoon. I'm always interacting with people. Um, especially at this like moment in time with the pandemic, um, I'm always interacting with loads like to cure my loneliness, I suppose. Um, uh, what else do I do? Oh, in the evenings I meditate as well. I've got to meditate. Um, actually, in treatment, I remember one of the support workers. He, he asked me if I wanted to go up and meditate, and I said no, and I laughed at him. And I mean, I wish I hadn't now because I absolutely love meditating. It's just again it's something in active addiction i remember hearing about people going to like meditation classes or yoga or or like these dry bars and stuff like that and not drinking i thought that's so strange what's wrong with that and now yeah. i'm doing it and it's just it's amazing I, I think don't knock it till you tried it but um yeah meditation in the evenings and then i'm in bed early every night i lie in bed read my book uh, i try and put my phone down um, and I always get to bed because I work early mornings when I do work. I'm always in bed by about 7 or 8 o'clock <laughs> in the evening. It's great. And I love my sleep. I get plenty of sleep, plenty of rest, fruit, veg, structure. And Oasis Runcorn gave me all that. You know what I mean? They, they, they kind of put me, they gave me the tools to kind of know the importance of structure. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful to well, you, Cat, for that, you know. Thank you. And what about the alumni team? Because I know you are a part of our alumni program. Have they given you support since leaving our centre? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I completely forgot to mention them. Yeah, I, I get phone calls every so often. Uh, Abdul, he's brilliant. He, he phones me a few times, like, every so often, like, every month, I think. Uh, just checks up on me, checks how I am. I'm always, um, I was always very active on the UCAP group. Um, that was really, that was really helpful, uh, especially in my early recovery, you know, engaging with people, other, other people, like when I had a problem, I'd put it to the group a lot like, um, when you're in process, you know, in, in treatment and you're sat in the circle, if you've got a problem, put it to the group and they try and help you. You know, I think that kind of community feeling is really, really important. Um, the only reason I kind of, well, I did break away from the UCAT alumni, I still post on there, but I made my own group because of my own personal mission to kind of raise awareness and break the stigma. And I thought, well, I'm, not, I'm unable to do that in a private group. So I kind of branched out and done my public stuff. And I also share that public stuff to the private group as well, because I know it's not for everyone joining a public group and being so public about their addictions, but it is for me it's, and it's, I'm, I'm passionate about it. So I kind of, I'm, I'm in between at the moment, but yeah, the UCAT alumni group um, and all the staff and everything, yeah, I, I owe them a lot. They've, they've really um, helped me out over the last, what, 17, 18 months. So, yeah, I'm very grateful. Oh, thank you. I mean, so are you – I'm I'm very open about being in recovery. Everyone that knows me knows I'm in recovery. Um, it sounds to me like you're the same, like you're wearing it on your sleeve almost. Um mm. If you've got a public group, that means people that don't know you can find the group easily. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, 
it's not something. It's not something I, I don't introduce myself and say hello. My name's Matt, and I'm in recovery. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I think I do, <laughs> that would that would shock quite a few people. But I mean, if 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 it ever comes up, I mean, I'm working a job at the moment. I've been there for what, four or five months, um, and only a handful of people there know that I'm in recovery because mm. it's not something that's necessarily come up. I mean. Uh, there was one time this lad, because I, I work just um, just above Bristol, which is about, I don't know, 45 minutes drive from Cheltenham. And I, I was saying to this one lad, he, he said, where do you come from? I said, Cheltenham. He said, well, what's the nightlife down, down there like? What's the pubs like? And I said, well, yeah, they're all right. I said, I don't drink, though. And he went, oh. And he sort of walked off. And I thought, oh, I could have had a mate then. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the old Matt would have been like, yeah, come down, I'll have a pint with you, you know, and we'll get on the session, all this. But I couldn't do that. And I felt a bit kind of, I don't know, helpless. It was for the first time ever, I, I didn't I didn't know what to do, how to kind of approach that situation because I'm so used to, like, the icebreaker, fancy a pint, do you know what I mean? It's like one of those. I'm quite sort of old school. Um, you know, Friday, you clock off work and you go straight to the pub and you work here. That's, that's what I've kind of always done. Yeah. Um, so now it's like I, I can't go up to a bloke at work and say, "Oh, do you fancy going for a walk in the countryside?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could do. Strange. I don't think it'd come, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, you could. But no, it's, it's just it, it don't have the same thing. So, so I mean, in that respect, I'm quite kind of private about it, I suppose. But but no, if if it comes up in conversation, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll always say about it. Yeah, you'll be surprised as well. I was um, I was on holiday a couple of years ago, and um, we met this couple out there. Me and my wife met a couple, and um, you know, it's the look you get because I got a glass of Coke from the bar, and he said that's the biggest brandy and Coke I've ever seen, and I didn't correct him. <laughs> um, and then when he got the drinks, he said, "Oh, do you want another brandy and Coke?" I said, "No, no, it's just Coke for me, please." And then he's, you know, "Do you not drink?" I said, "No, do you know, I'm in recovery. It's, it was easier to tell them and." Than to not, um, and we've kept in contact with this couple um, fairly, you know, once every month or so. We'll send each other a message, and he he actually messaged me about two months ago and asked me for a bit of advice because he's got a problem with drinking, drinks way too much every day, and wanted a bit of advice about how he could actually go about stopping. So I think. In, like you, I don't say, "Oh, hi, my name's Lee, recovering addict." I just, but um, if it if it comes up in conversation, I'm not embarrassed about it. And why should I be embarrassed about it? It'd be like you know, it, addiction, as far as I'm concerned, is an illness. Um, but um, if it helps people, I will always disclose, always disclose, because my like yourself with your blog, myself with my story, um, it could help another person to actually effectively, you know, come into recovery and save their and save their life. So I think it's always a good thing to sort of, and it's certainly nothing to be ashamed of anyway. So I think this is a big one for us all, a big one for <laughs> us all, Matt. So when people come into recovery, myself included, you're worried that, you know, life can be very limiting, feeling that you're you're missing out, um, maybe that life's over with. I know I certainly felt that way when I thought about giving up um, drinking and drugs. So um, are you okay to give us, you know, say maybe the top three things um, that you've done or experiences that you've had since being since being clean and sober that you wouldn't have done otherwise? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, I'd say, I'd say the small things are probably the biggest thing for me. Um, I've mentioned earlier about eating out and eating meals. Obviously, can't eat out at the moment. But all the small things that I have never kind of done, I mean, long walks, not living with like a constant fear of um, owing people money and bumping into them, not having a hangover all the time with a come down and, you know, having money in the bank. I mean, they're such like normal everyday things and they're yeah. the things that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for my recovery. Um, I mentioned earlier about the takeaways. I mean, I still, even my mouth, my, my mouth is actually watering now. Do you know what I mean? Just talking about <laughs> you're, you're making me hungry as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to send you a voucher on Just Eat or something afterwards. <laughs> but, I mean, just, just things like that, being able to get up in the morning fresh as a daisy, you know, have a shave when I need a shave instead of leaving this stubble growing and looking rough and everything. You know, it's just no offence to people with stubble. I'm sure it looks great on others, but <laughs> don't, it's not on me. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just all the small things. That's first and foremost. The small things are big things for me. Um, getting a job. Uh, that I've never been late to and never gone sick. It sounds really boring, but you wouldn't believe um, how important that is to me. Every job that I've ever had, 
I mean, my first job, I was sacked for stealing to fund my addiction. Um, my second job, I had a mental breakdown. Um, I wet shaved my head and just gone absolutely, behaviour was erratic and all sorts, had to leave the job due to mental health, uh, brought on by my addictions, of course. Um, and then my third job, I had to leave because I was going to rehab. I mean, I have never even like left a job normally because I've got another job lined up or anything. You know, I've either been sacked or been forced to leave. And it's just to have a job now where I go in, I see my boss, I make eye contact with him and say good morning. You know, little again, little things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't have to have all these excuses lined up as to why I stink of booze and why my eyes are all bloodshot and why I keep going to the toilet every five minutes. And, you know, it's it's just, it's so liberating. And... When when I kind of when I say that to people that are you know still in active addiction that want my help you know they probably think that's a bit boring but is it really I mean to have that to have that normality in your life you know where you're not scared of the phone ringing every two minutes or people knocking on your door um, I used to put my phone face down you know not because I've got a girlfriend and I don't want to see my messages it's because I didn't want to see my messages you know it was it was my own guilty conscience that was like keeping me trapped. Um, and I mean, I'm free from all that, and that's amazing. And the third one, uh, money in the bank. Just having a bit of money in the bank. I don't earn a huge amount, um, but when I want something, when I go into a shop, I can buy something. You know, I used to, I used to go into a shop, know exactly what I wanted, know where the alcohol section was. Um, you know, I might buy a scratch card if I was lucky, just to see if I could win more money to buy more drugs or more alcohol. Um, now I go into a shop and within reason, of course, because I'm not loaded, I can go in and just buy what I want. You know, yeah. if I see a Mars bar on the on the shelf and it says special offer, buy this, whatever, I can buy it. I don't have to work out the maths in my head as to how much, you know, how much I can spend on alcohol and spend on this because a pound to me was another can of Strongbow. It wasn't a pound for a big bar of Galaxy. Do you know what I mean? It was... That, oh, no. that, that's that's how my mind works um and like i had like a calculator in my brain um and when i kind of saved a couple of quid on like four cans i'd go and buy another two cans you know that was how my mind worked now again i'm free from all that um yeah so just just things like that have been like the best things ever because and they wouldn't have been possible without recovery so yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think they're they're boring things at all. I think that's probably one of the most honest answers I've ever heard to a question like that. And it's true. It's it's the little things, you know. It isn't. I mean, the the, the other things are nice to get in your life if, if they come. But you know, like you say, the freedom. I you know, having money in my pocket in active addiction was not money that I'm going to be spending on anything else. If I've got twenty five quid, it's mm. two and one. Do you know what I mean? Or it's um two um, stones and a few beers. It's not money for anything else and having that freedom just to just to do what you want to do be free of addiction is, is absolutely amazing and be able to be accountable and responsible and the lives um that you affect in your recovery both people you don't know through recovery but also the personal relationships you have as well with family members to me that is what recovery is all about is exactly yeah. what you just described and it is so true it's just the little things and you know, if you had told me in the beginning when I came into recovery that all this was possible, I, I wouldn't have believed it. If I'm honest, and I did used to think life without drugs was going to be um, was going to be really boring. Yeah. You know, I, I just used to think it would be well. You know, what are you going to be doing next week, Lee? Well, I'm not going to be using drugs, and I'm probably going to be in a meeting. You know, it's, it would be like that. Um, but having the desire to use gone. So that part that I'm sure you had as as well, Matt, you know, when um, you've promised yourself, you've literally destroyed your life again and you've made that promise to yourself, do you know what, I'm never, ever, ever using again. And when you said it to yourself, did you really mean it? Well, I've said it a few times, but I think the last, <laughs> time, I, the last time I said it, yeah. And I think, I yeah. think that's a very kind of freeing experience as well because yeah. I remember... Um, I think I wrote about it on my blog, actually, um, about uh, arguing with the counsellor at Oasis Runcorn, because I think about two weeks in, I was convinced that um, I was still going to drink when I came out of treatment. And, and she said, but alcohol is one of your problems. I said, yeah, 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 but I'll, I'll moderate. I'll be all right. I'll moderate. And she said, but 
have you ever tried moderating before? And I thought, well, yeah, every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and she said it didn't work, did it? I said, no. <laughs> and, it, you know, it was then I kind of just about got my head around it. But even then, I mean, it, it, still, it still took a little while for that acceptance because you can't, you can't move forward until you get that acceptance, um, right. until you fully accept that you cannot drink or use successfully again. And, it's, and when you do actually finally kind of accept that, and you've got to experience recovery a little bit first, for me anyway. I mean, because I had to have that taste of recovery um, for the first, I don't know, first good few months of recovery. I was saying, yeah, I'm going to give this recovery a go. But when I get to a year, I think I'll probably have a drink again. You know, this was, I was openly telling people as well, because I thought, no, I don't really fancy this recovery nonsense. And, you know, it's, it's a bit boring. I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to a year. And those thoughts had never been sort of further from my mind. You know, my, my one year uh, clean and sober, which was 18th of July last year, just gone. Congratulations. Thank you. That was, um, that was just the proudest moment of my life, uh, waking up um, waking up that morning. It was like, it was like when I was a kid, the, you know, Christmas Eve when you're little and, you know, you're excited for Christmas yeah. Day to come. Bit of an anti-climax, but it wasn't for me when I was a year clean and sober because I woke up and I was clean sober i was alive i felt fresh my mum and dad said they were proud of me they got me a card they put a little banner up for me uh you know and it was just the most magical day and it, i mean it, it was just it was amazing and it, it was just like christmas i couldn't sleep the night before i was so excited it was like it was That's just amazing. amazing and i mean again little things like that you know a little paper banner saying well done matt that my mum made i mean oh it's just it's just amazing absolutely incredible so i mean when I actually accepted that I couldn't drink or use again, I mean, it was like, yeah, good riddance. Do you know what I mean? What what good did drink and drugs ever do for me? Yeah, they made me a different person. Yeah, I enjoyed it at the time, but my whole life fell apart while I was on drugs and while I was drinking. It only just it just prolonged the inevitable. You know, I still had I still had the debts when I sobered up. I still had the people that I had fallen out with. You know, when I sobered up, it, you, you you've got to face reality at some time. And so why make your reality worse? Do you know what I mean? It's just just get clean, get sober, and just start a new life. And I've started a new life, and it is absolutely brilliant, just for all the small things. Like, like, like I've said, the small things are the big things, and I am loving life, genuinely. I don't have to pretend to love life anymore because I'm actually loving it. No, that's true. And I liked what you said there about early recovery because it can be difficult for people, and I think that's why so many people don't actually stay around like yourself because most people believe and i used to believe exactly the same is i'd go through the process of detox I'd, I'd get physically clean and my life would be amazing the problem is i'd get physically clean and things would be quite challenging so we have things uh, consequences of our past to deal with i certainly had consequences of my past i certainly had feelings and emotions come through and you know i was still getting sort of three four years clean where i'd feel something and i thought i've not felt that before because in addiction, I just felt anger, anger and fear and self-pity, really, is all I knew how to feel. I used mm. anger as a way to deal with everything. And then you sort of get clean and um, you're having all of these feelings come up. But, um, you know, it is why for all of us so important that early recovery is um, is treated as such. And it's a lot of work. I know you've put in a lot of work. I most certainly have put in a lot of work as well to, to get through that challenging time. But what you've said and you certainly you know listening to you talk it um it fills me with enthusiasm as well it really does because it is amazing how quickly things can turn around and how like you say the little things in your life start really meaning something and how quickly you feel the benefit but it's just getting through that first you know the first few months the first six months um in my case the first year and a half was quite difficult but you know actually getting through that time and dealing with that so we can go on experience a more a more comfortable and settled life and have the desire to use gone it's um you know it is something that's um, a true gift now um now the sober life um, is becoming a cultural norm for many of us. Uh, many people, even people in not in active addiction, are, are leading sober lives. But you know, as we've already sort of touched upon, I think some people still um, still going to get some odd reactions from some people. So, and um, what's your strangest reaction that you've had to so maybe first dates, friends, or when you've met strangers um, and you've told them that you're in recovery? <laughs> 
I don't really have strange reactions. I just have disbelief and confusion. I'm always <laughs> met with just like this massive lack of understanding. It's, it's it, which is quite funny in itself, really, because you know I I've had it numerous times where I've been like in a pub or certain like functions, weddings, whatever, and someone said like, "Oh, you're not having a drink?" And I say, "Well, no, I don't drink." And they say, "Why?" I mean, they're just so shocked because. I think, yeah, that this kind of drinking, even drug culture in many, many kind of social circles is so prevalent. Um, I'm glad it's kind of going the other way um, mm. in, well, in some cases, but I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still very much there. Um, and I mean, I usually get the same old rubbish from the same old people. Well, the problem is with you, Matt, is you need to moderate. And I think, well, yes. thank you very much, Sherlock. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> I wish I'd have spoken to you like 10 years ago when I was like selling my beloved CD collection to pay for more drugs, you know. <laughs> it's like, if I knew how to moderate, I'd be doing it. And it's, they, they just don't understand. They say, what, what you've got to do is just have a couple and then go home. And I think, what? I know. <laughs> it's like, why do they even bother telling me this? It's just, oh, it's, you, you couldn't make it up, really. And the amount of right. times I've had that, honestly, if I had a pound for every time, I'd be a rich man. You know, people telling me how to drink and how to use successfully. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's complete lack of understanding around addiction. Um, it really, really is. I um, I went out with, um, I've, I've, I met a girl four years ago. That girl's now my wife. And um, at first date, she said, do you, do you want to have a drink? And she was having a vodka. And I said, no, do you know what? I'm driving and I never drink when I'm driving. So I appear as a very responsible man. But I really liked, really liked her that first night. So I thought, the next night, I'm just going to tell her when I meet her next time, I'm just going to tell her, Lee, you know, you're an alcoholic and um, you don't drink. And I built it up to be something really big all day. And um, I met her that night and I said, I've got something to tell you. And she thought I was going to say I'm married or something like that. <laughs> and I said, I'm an alcoholic, I don't drink, um, I've been sober now a couple of years. And um, she just looked at me, she said, is that it? Um, I thought you were going to tell me you were married. And actually, it, it's quite nice because I'm always designated driver, so she can have a drink. And so, yeah. so <laughs> she quite likes it. And She's relieved. I, well, yeah. Um, and I went out with, who's now my brother-in-law, um, about three months after I'd met my now wife. And um, he said, you know, do you think you can ever drink again? And I said, no, no, I don't, I don't, don't think so. And he said, well, what about if we got a couple of beers for you? With just two or three, we sat you in a room and we didn't let you get any more. And I said, one, it sounds painful. <laughs> you know, it sounds <laughs> absolutely painful. And two, um, I don't react to alcohol the same way as you do. Now, if I could drink like you, I would most definitely be drinking. I would most definitely be drinking if I could have a, you know, have a good drink on a Friday and Saturday night, get what I yeah, wanted yeah. to get from it, and then stop again. I most definitely would. I think most people don't understand the reaction that most, you know, I think the people that are going to be listening to this um, are going to have when they take a drink or a drug in their body. And you know, some people drink heavily. I drink till I'm homeless. I'm one of them. You know, I just don't <laughs> stop when I start. But no, there are some. Um, there are some funny reactions, and it's usually people who don't understand. But most of the people, in my experience, if I'm honest, over the years have been have been absolutely fine with it. You know, yeah. and they've been absolutely fine with the fact that I just don't drink. Apart from that, to all intents and purposes, I have a you know normal life, whatever normal is. I, I go to work like you do, and, and and lead a good existence. So, um, the over lockdown you myself probably a lot of us have been um watching a lot of tv and films um maybe reading a lot as well um is there anything um you know that you've read that's inspired you or you just really enjoyed or watched over um, recently yeah actually um there was a lady called alison kerwin who got in contact with me contact with me uh through the Endless Possibilities page. And she privately messaged and said she had written this book and could I do a, a like and share competition on um, on the Endless Possibilities page. And I said, yeah, of course you can. Obviously, I looked at the book first and um, it was all about addiction. It was about her brother, Danny, um, dying from a heroin overdose. Wow. And it was, yeah, it, and she asked me to do this competition. It would pick five winners and all the rest of it. And I, I did, and it was an honour to do so. And she said she'll send me a free copy of the book. And I got it. Uh, it's called The Counselor, by the way. Um, 
and it was just absolutely brilliant. Um, she was writing it because her, her brother passed away, and it was basically he, he, the last thing he said to her was he wants to become a counsellor to help other people, and oh. which sounded like me anyway. I mean, I remember uh, actually doing a level one counselling course at college while I was uh, smoking crack at the time. I mean, I was, I was quite bad on the drugs and alcohol. It wasn't, lo- wasn't long before I went to rehab. But um, right. so I kind of related to his story without even reading it, and then I read it. And even though I, I was never a, a heroin user, um, I could just relate to so much in the book. And she explained addiction so well. Um, it was it was scary to think because I mean she she wasn't an addict or isn't an addict herself, um, and she did such a great job of explaining it. But it was written in a way that it kind of jumps back from. Uh, when he had died to when he was alive, um, like seeing the Happy Mondays and stuff like that, about the drug culture. I mean, that's touched upon as well. And also, I not only could I relate to the addiction side of it, um, she wrote a lot about grief. It was equally about grief as it was addiction. And I'm actually quite fortunate not to have really lost anyone that close to me. So learning about grief was, I mean, it, it was it was quite hard reading it in some places. I mean, I was choked up um, in a few bits. I mean, especially like talking about your brother's funeral because it could have been me. You know, it was quite it was quite sobering. I can't really think of another word, but it was it was a sobering read. Um, and I learned a lot about grief. Um, she did a great job of explaining that as well. And I almost I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the way she explained grief, I almost feel like I'm prepared for the inevitable when someone close to me does pass away. Um, because she did such a brilliant job with the book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, The Counselor by Alison Kerwin. I couldn't recommend that enough. That was absolutely brilliant. Okay, well, thanks, Fledge. Do you know what? I'm going to give that a read, Matt, because um, it does sound like um, a riveting book for someone who doesn't, who have not actively in active addiction themselves, but probably has a real great understanding of it. Um, mm. Have you not been binge watching Netflix or anything like that, Matt? It sounds it sounds a little too motivated for for that. I, I've done a bit. I've done a bit of Netflix, and that I watched. What was it? It was called The Recovery Boys. That was on Netflix. That was brilliant. That was about um, a farm-based rehab in America. I'm that. That's journey, good. Yeah. yeah, followed the journey of like three blokes, I think, and the one. Well, I won't spoil it for anyone, but I mean, they all took different paths. Let's put it that way. And um, yeah, that was pretty good as well. But um. I've been reading a lot more since, like, since I've actually got like a clear head. I mean, like, the ability to read—that's another thing that I'm really grateful for. But you know, I'm jumping back to another question now. Aren't I? No, that's fine. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, fine. You can say what you want to say. Read, brilliant. That's amazing. That really is. I mean, it's um, it's. I think I've had a lot of spare time in lockdown. <laughs> myself, I, I've thrown myself into a lot of Zoom meetings. If I'm honest, I've been quite blessed where I can I can do meetings before work as well as after work. Um, I've always been quite an avid reader, certainly since getting clean. Um, but I tend to read more. Um, um, well more horror novels and things <laughs> I'd love to say I read the big book um, every day like 24 hours a day but I, I really don't <laughs> um, well Matt thank you um, so much uh, for chatting, me, chatting to me today I really do mean it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you and, and I've learned a lot and you've certainly filled me with some enthusiasm so um, you've been listening to Screaming on the Inside with me, Lee Spinks, my very special guest, Matt Ingram. Thanks very much for listening. And if you want to hear more about Matt's journey in recovery, where can they find you, Matt? Uh, it's my blog. It's called Endless Possibilities on Facebook. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm.